0: This is the Raising Athletes podcast, episode seventeen, with Alex Pope, varsity men's basketball coach at Vermont Academy. Hi, this is I'm. (laughs) (laughs) Once you know it's for real, I know (laughs) you're like. uh, (laughs) Okay. Hi, I'm Kirsten Jones, and I'm Susie Walton, and this is our podcast. Hashtag Raising Athletes with Kirsten and Susie our passion is supporting parents and raising not only strong athletes but extraordinary people join us each week as we tackle all topics youth sports including everything from early specialization and overuse injuries to helping our kids feel empowered and learn how to advocate for themselves not only in the classroom and on the court but at dinner tables and in their communities we'll be talking to coaches athletes parents And anyone else who will speak to us. (laughs) About their experiences with youth sports and their paths to success. And even more importantly, their failures. Yes, we're gonna get into the gritty details of what went wrong so that we can all learn from it. Teach our kids. And ourselves. How to do better next time. Because in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So welcome to Raising Athletes, because we love to win too. Let's do this. Alex Pope is in his fifth year as the head coach of the men's basketball program at Vermont Academy. During Pope's time at the Academy, the program has matriculated student-athletes to Harvard, Chicago, Vanderbilt, Butler, Tufts, Arizona, Carnegie Mellon, to name a few. In 2018, Coach Pope's program produced NBA player Bruce Brown, class of 2016, and McDonald's All-American Simisola Shitu, class of 2018, who is now at Vanderbilt. Under Pope's tenure in 2016, the Wildcats won the prestigious New England Prep School Championship, and he was named the New England Coach of the Year. Since 2015, Pope has sent 25 student-athletes to play NCAA college basketball. Prior to Vermont Academy, Alex served as the assistant coach at Holy Cross University in the Patriot League. Before his days at Division One level, Alex coached at Middlebury College. During his tenure at Middlebury, the Panthers reached the D3 Elite Eight and Sweet Sixteen. Prior to that, he coached at Springfield College while he earned his master's in the athletic administration. I wanted to have him on today to talk about what is a post grad year. And kind of talk about prep school at a high level and and what can happen, what benefits there are to a a kid, a student athlete, opting to go to prep school for a year before going to college. Found this to be very insightful. Uh, He's got a lot of knowledge and a lot of passion for what he does. Please enjoy. Hello and welcome. Today on Raising Athletes, we're excited to have Coach Alex Pope uh, as our guest today. But before I introduce him, let me take a minute to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm Kirsten Jones, a peak performance and sports parenting coach. My passion is helping others align their values with their mission and their mindset to get what they want in life. As a former Division I athlete and a 14 year Nike executive, I've always loved understanding the power of what makes peak performance possible. As a mother of three and someone who's currently in the middle of supporting my oldest son's dream to play sports in college, Susie and I have created this podcast to help others who are, trying to, who are trying to not only raise strong athletes, but more importantly, strong people. And Today, Susie couldn't join us, so I'm flying solo, but we're so excited to have you, Coach Pope, on to talk to us about something I know a lot of our listeners know maybe a little bit about, but not much. And I, myself, am learning a lot about what is a post-grad year. I mean, I think, a lot of people know what prep schools are; that they're primarily on the East Coast. I know of a few here on the West Coast, but if we could start with talking about what's going on at private school or yeah, prep schools on the East Coast, so um, I'll kick it over to you.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Kirsten. It really means a lot to me, and um, it's nice to get exposure to a you know a, a big demographic you know three thousand miles away from little old Vermont. Um, so yeah, prep school basketball has kind of emerged in a big way on the grassroots basketball scene. And I think a big part of that dynamic is the postgraduate year, which is what you alluded to. Um, essentially, the, the majority of us, and there are quite a few prep boarding schools here in the New England region, the majority of us are nine through PG. So there are options. Um Now, with the post-grad year, you have the one year, it's after graduation, and you come for a variety of reasons. You know, it's athletic, it's academic, and it's development for, you know, your social and character side.
0: So what Um, kind of sports do most of these schools offer for post-grad years?
1: Great question. So I think ice hockey, you know, sports like crew, lacrosse, football. Are have certainly been kind of part of the fabric of of independent schools for a very long time, you know, squash, uh, sports like that Nordic. Um, but I would say basketball has always been present. And then again, you know, in the the past, I don't know, 20, 25 years, there's been a recent surge for our sport. And a big part of it is exposure and getting college recruitment. Um, and a lot of these schools like Vermont Academy have gone and hired, um, coaches with a lot of experience to kind of accelerate their programs and get them kind of caught up.
0: Right. So does that mean, this is, I'll ask one of the questions I get asked a lot. Does that mean my kid repeats a year of high school or what happens when he gets to a prep school for a fifth year?
1: Um, well, it depends on the kid. It really does. Every scenario is different. At Vermont Academy, we've we've definitely targeted the the academic student who you know is trying to turn into uh, an Ivy League recruit, and they currently only have NESCAC stuff or UAA. Um, but there are scenarios where kids are trying to get academically qualified with the new sliding scale that came out in 2016. Uh, it is much more challenging for kids on the lower end to get the 2.3 GPA and the SAT score or ACT score that they need. And oftentimes the postgraduate year can kind of afford the student athlete um, a little more wiggle room and an opportunity to get the score that they need to play division one basketball. So there are, there are schools that um, can provide that. It's just at Vermont Academy, we've kind of targeted a higher academic uh, student athlete.
0: So the kids that are matriculating out of your program, they're going to some pretty big D one schools, um, and Ivy league Patriot league. Is it mostly East coast or are they kind of going all over or? I
1: appreciate you asking that. Yeah, it's all over. And I'm in my office right now, kind of looking up at some of the pennants, you know, we have kids at places like Carnegie Mellon, Colby, Tufts, U Chicago, but then, you know, your division ones like Vanderbilt, Harvard, um, Louisville, Miami, Xavier. Yeah, the list goes on. We're very proud of uh, of our matriculation list. But yeah, it is a wide variety.
0: And so as a parent, right, we're worried about, um, you know, you're signing up to say, okay, my kid's not going to go right to college. What, what's it, what, What is the best, like, who, who's an ideal candidate for you? Because um, I would think it would take a special kind of personality of a kid that's like, okay, you're not going to go straight to college. You're going to go do kind of in between a high school and college experience for a year. What are you looking for? In an Good question.
1: Um, well, we're definitely looking for kids who are looking for more and, and kind of looking for opportunity because Vermont Academy will definitely serve that, that platform. Um, but I like to look for kids who, who are humble. Um, we look, we try to recruit families. You know, one of my, mentors joe mantanga who's at blair always told me you know recruit families and not players because with the you know the kid coming from the parents the the apple doesn't fall too far (laughs) from the tree so that's something we're looking for um kids with passion and then ultimately what ties it all together is you know young people who are you know okay with leaving their comfort zone because that's exactly what the prep school Year or experience if you do multiple years, that's exactly what the prep school experience provides You know, you get out of your comfort zone You're living away from home and you get to grow uh, At a rapid race rapid pace before you go off to college
0: so I know there is no guarantee in life about anything, but I think one of the things parents will say is, okay, great. If I commit myself or my, let my kid go do this for a year, is there a guarantee that he'll get a college scholarship? Do you have kids that, you know, do you see kids doing PG years and then don't go on to play college sports? Or what is, what is the matriculation rate that they actually go on to play in the sport at the level that they want to?
1: Good question. Uh, I cannot speak for every prep school program but we are batting a thousand with kids that have kind of been recruited to our program that have gone on to play college basketball at the next level and we're really proud of that because you know for the whole population only three percent are going to go on to ncaa basketball and only one percent are going to go on to division one and obviously you know a big part of that is the selection process we're not just going to take on any any student athlete so they're pretty far along uh, before they get here and then you know the word is out the reputation is there colleges like to recruit our program because they know that kids are going to have a really strong foundation when they show up at you know a Vanderbilt or a William & Mary or a University of Vermont they're going to have a, a nice foundation and kind of understand what it takes at the next level and um, that's really served us nicely in the recruiting process. College coaches, um, they kind of flock to to recruit our program.
0: So talking about the recruiting po- process, and um, you and I were discussing just a few minutes ago about the internet athlete, which is how do we use social media um, for good to help our kids get exposure? You know, not everybody gets to live in a major market. So if my kid lives in Idaho or Kansas or wherever, rural place, um, What, what do you see, like, how do you use the, use social media to help your players get exposure?
1: Good question, uh, Kirsten. Um, I think it's a necessary evil, you know, it really is. And before we do jump into how we use it to our advantage, I would like to articulate that we also like to create exposure for our guys, kind of show them that, um, you know, it, it just make sure that you use social media and it's not kind of wearing you down. Use it as an energy giver is what we say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but everything from highlights to, you know, tweeting out offers to just creating exposure for who is evaluating our kids. Uh, we feel that that, um, that helps our, our families in the process. Um, yeah. the more, yeah, the more awareness that, that that's created, um, the better because we have to cast a wide net, you know, we would just do.
0: Yeah. We talked about this too, right? but the, I mean, my son, you know, you'll see so-and-so has five offers from XYZ universities and it can, it can be a blessing and a curse, right? Because some, some of it, people, the kids see it as this is helping me get exposure, but it can also be a hindrance to, you know, you feel like you're missing out. You're not getting the offers that these other kids are. How do you help coach the kids through that?
1: Um well with the exposure dynamic we just kind of tell stories i think s- storytelling is always something that sticks with young people and there's plenty of scenarios where uh for example uh, the the school is recruiting 30 players for three spots so that that offer that's out there uh who knows you know how tangible it actually is and then there's kids that get you know early rankings and early offers that just lose momentum and and all of a sudden, you know, it's no longer there. And it's you know, it's fun to point out kids that have come from from New England prep schools like Bruce Brown and Donovan Mitchell, who were late bloomers or under the radar, you know. And now they're they're both you know in the NBA and they kind of moved forward. Um, so I think basically just creating as much exposure as possible for for what the rankings, what the, a scholarship offer actually means. Uh, I think it kind of puts are, you know, mid-level player kind of at ease with exactly what the process is because there are a lot of different layers involved.
0: So you have some guys that come in with zero offers or one offer or very little exposure that then walk out with a handful of offers. Is that how it works?
1: Um yeah, that has certainly happened and we're very proud of that, you know, Marcus Santos Silva who's at VCU had zero scholarship offers and before he chose vcu he had you know 20 and jordan wara who plays at louisville you know i think he had like 30 scholarship offers in a a year at vermont academy like those scenarios certainly happen um but there's also situations where you know our student athlete doesn't get the division one that aligns with you know what he what he wants from an institution from a university and they go to a place like like I said, Tufts or U Chicago, and, and that's perfectly fine too. you know I think the bottom line with all of this is just kind of making sure that the family and the student athlete understands the bigger picture. It's like we talk about it as a program all the time, like see the forest through the trees because division one, division three um, it's short term, you know, and it's a decision that you're making uh, for four years, yes, but you're setting yourself up for the, you know the next 40 years of your life.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Um, so we talk a little bit about the recruiting process. So D1, D2, D3, you've got all these guys coming into your gyms right now, right? In the weekends, coming to look at players. How do you, what advice do you have for kids? You know, right now, fall visits are happening for seniors, but kids have just come out of a live period. You know, they're getting ready for, for season in another month. What, what advice do you have for kids who are trying to get exposure?
1: Um, communication and, and build relationships. I mean, I, I think it depends on what year you are, but, you know, as we're seeing, you know, there's constant rule changes and, uh, we're seeing now that you can take official visits as, as early as junior year in high school. Um, but I just think aligning with the right people, uh, you know, if you're fortunate enough, that's your, your AAU coach, your high school coach, and then casting a wide net you know we've um we're fortunate that a lot of schools are transparent with us in the process here um for example bucknell right now is recruiting one of our 2020s and they told us that you know they're going to probably re- you know recruit over 30 kids for two or three spots
0: wow.
1: and that can that can be pretty sobering um but it's also very real and i think what it does is it you, you know you kind of are forced to do the same thing and make sure that you're casting a wide net and asking uh, as many hard questions as possible because it can, it can be a process that has a lot of different, um, a lot of different variables involved and it's, it's very fluid, you know?
0: Right. And, and um, trust. so,
1: so over, so yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. Doug. No, go ahead. I just think overall advice is, is yeah. Building trust, building relationships and just asking for information, but also, you know, continuing to to work and continuing to continue to be passionate about the sport that that you do love
0: yeah i love that advice in fact i just written a blog last week about that topic whereas the relationships will help you but you then need to play consistently when when you have the opportunity right so that when they are there to see you that you can convert that but aligning yourself with the right people can be tricky too because you don't know who you know? So findings. It, can you talk more about that? Like,
1: I know exactly what you're saying. Yes, <laughs> and, my and
0: parents struggle it, with this. I struggle. Right,
1: with and and like obviously pedigree matters, but ultimately, um, you'd rather be saved by criticism, right? And instead of uh, ruined with praise, right? As they say. Yes. So if if you're you know, your consultant or your AAU guy or your prep school coach that's recruiting you is just telling you all the things you want to hear. Um, you just, you should be careful out there is all. And I think um, the coach that's willing to uh, tell you what you need to hear versus what you want to hear, that, that's usually the coach that, you know, you should gravitate towards and trust and, um, and build that relationship. Um, and, and then obviously there needs to be a plan. Right. If if it's just a bunch of nonsense that's being thrown out there, um, you know, maybe you kind of look around and test the market. But I do think there are a lot of good people that are involved with AAU and and prep school and high school basketball that are in it for the right reasons. And, um, you know, it's it's just on it's just on you to kind of feel that out. And um, not everybody's going to have the same. (coughs) Not everybody's going to be looking for the same thing, you know.
0: Yes. I think parents struggle with this because particularly parents who like some of us, you know, some, some of us played sports, but some of us didn't. And so a lot of the parents that don't have the experience and understanding of how the process works, it can be very daunting to try to figure it all out. So um, I love the advice though, of trying to find people that you can trust that know, you know, they have your, your child's best interest and are willing to be really honest with you too, because of course, we as parents all want to believe our kid is a D one kid, but hearing, you know what, you're a D three player or you're you're an NAI player. There's a lot of great schools out there. There's a lot of great opportunities that don't necessarily, you know, aren't at the at the D one level, right? Um
1: Yeah, and I th- and to piggyback on that, Kirsten, I think I've seen kids that are division three players played wind up in division one. And I've seen division one players who wind up in division three. Um, so I, it's hard for me to kind of like typecast kids, but I do think that, um, you know, the eye test and and just knowing what college coaches are going to be looking for is, is certainly okay to, to describe, you know, like, um, just the, the short game of of supply and demand, right? I mean, if you're a guard, there are just more of you out there, and if you're a six eight forward, um, that's going to increase your chances, right? I mean, right. I've heard that on, your, on one of your podcasts <laughs> before, so yeah. Little things like that, but I mean, pedigree does matter, right? So if there's going to be a hundred colleges in in our gym for at our prep school at Vermont Academy this fall, there's only going to be. Um, you know, half a dozen at the local high school, like that, that is a difference. Um, so yeah, again, there's just so many variables. There really are. And and now you have the, the schedule to change, um, with the off season from the NCAA to try to clean up college basketball. So that's going to create, um, you know, even more. Um, Can
0: you speak to that a little bit? Maybe people don't know what's happening there.
1: Change. Yeah. So they're, what they're essentially doing is limiting the amount of time that sneaker company tournaments can occur in July, um, for division one exposure. And they're also going to create, you know, platforms and opportunities for high school programs to create, to create, uh, exposure and people are still kind of looking around trying to figure out what that's going to look like. And I think that we'll have more transparency um, here soon, but regardless uh, the landscape is changing and just kind of knowing that you're going to have to align with, with folks who know what they're doing is going to be important.
0: So trying to get more power back to the high schools to, is that the goal and away from the shoe company? Essentially. Yeah.
1: Essentially, yes, but it's a lot trickier than just flipping <laughs> some dates.
0: Right. right. Um, so what type of student, if we could just go back to you and what happens at, at, at the post-grad year, what type of students do you see thriving there? What are you looking for? What are some, And what are some of the red flags of the player that doesn't do well at a PG or if, if some listeners are considering what that might look like?
1: Good question. Um, so I think a lot, a large part of what we do, um, in the yield is trying to figure out, you know, what prospect will, will do well with college placement and, you know, what type of kids that, um, the programs are going to be looking for. So it's, it's starting with the transcript and just kind of, you know, navigating through academic index and seeing if their score is going to be attractive. Um, combining that transcript with the, with the test score.
0: Could you, sorry, Um, could you talk a little bit about the academic index? I don't know if everybody knows what that is.
1: Yes, I would be happy to. It's just a combination of your GPA, your class rank, and then your standardized test score, whether it's SAT or ACT. And the higher that is, um, the more likely, uh, your chances are of Ivy league recruitment so that's a good starting point and it doesn't mean that we're exclusively looking to matriculate kids to the ivy league but it i think if you're in harvard and princeton's wheelhouse that certainly um helps for the bigger picture you know yep um regardless of of where we market you to and then i think like i said earlier the foundation you know like who who's your support team um doesn't have to be your parents, but whoever's in your corner, uh, that person matters. Uh we we wanna be working with families who are gonna support what it is we're trying to do. Um and then, you know, obviously the basketball part um is important, but it's like the intangibles matter most to us. Like so what is your is your disposition uh in between games, interacting with your teammates positive. Um mm-hmm. You know how do you react to adversity when we're, you know, we're evaluating you not just for how many three-point field goals you make, but um, when you when there's a bad call made. You know how do you move on? Are you a next play mentality guy, or are you somebody that is gonna, you know, lose a little bit of focus as a result of that? You know, so little things like that uh, are all part of our evaluation. We just want to make sure that. We're, we're bringing kids that are going to, you know, take advantage of of what it is we offer.
0: And so you're a four-year high school plus this PG year. So obviously you have some juniors and seniors that are going to make your varsity squad. How many P- post-grads are you looking, do you bring in, look to bring in every year?
1: Good question. I was hoping that this would come up. Um, I'm glad it did organically. And we actually have um, three sophomores on our, on our roster this year who are, are all talented student athletes. Um, so I think every year varies, uh, I'd say the sweet spot is probably three or four and why that matters to the folks that are listening is, you know, again, it's another supply and demand deal. Um, we don't, we don't want to fill up our roster with postgraduates. Um, it's just, not idealistic for the community as a whole and it kind of limits your continuity obviously um but with that being said postgrads have, have been uh, a wonderful asset to our program over the years so we'll always welcome a couple um but it's not easy to you know emerge as as kind of uh one of those candidates so it's um if you're trying to get involved with a, a really uh, impressive prep school basketball program as a postgraduate just know that there's going to be a lot of competition
0: and then getting there i, I know i've having spoken to a few different prep schools now that they don't seem to have all the same focus so is your focus that those guys that are doing pg it's all about exposure they're going to get more playing time or is it whoever the best five guys are are going to get the most playing time
1: Good question. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're still coaching and leading the program to win every game, um, but I stick true to you know the fact that the the foundation of our program is college matriculation. So while we want to you know hang banners in our gym like we were able to uh, when we won the twenty sixteen NEPSAC championship, um, it's you know, our most important dynamic of our program is the college matriculation. So exposure certainly is, is critical for all of them, you know, for all of our guys, whether you're post-grad or a sophomore or junior or senior.
0: Right. Awesome. Well, I've got one final question for you, but I just, before I jump into that, is there anything else that I haven't touched on that would be good for people listening to know, or you want to share just?
1: Yeah, I think My, my advice to, um, to families that might be intrigued in in prep school, um, in Vermont Academy is, is to try to, um, similar to the college process is just be proactive and just know that these prep school coaches and these college coaches, um, they have a lot going on and it's okay to be persistent and it's okay to ask tough questions um get ahead of the process a lot of us have similar um timelines in terms of you know when the application is due and uh when you can get your financial aid application in and all that good stuff so um like i said ask a lot of questions be proactive and and show that there's interest go and visit some of these schools when you can Spooky um
0: will gets the grease huh?
1: that's it i believe in that
0: yeah, and teaching these kids, we try and to talk talk a lot about having them re-reach, not the parents as much as the kids, or would you say you're happy to have the parents reach out?
1: Um, I like, I like hearing from everybody, to be honest with you, because it okay. kind of helps with the process. And I also think there are prep schools for every type of kid, similar to there are college basketball programs for a lot of different types of kids. Um, you know, you don't have to be... Uh, um, a three, eight GPA with a 1400 SAT to, to go to New England prep school. Um, you know, I personally would, would prefer that. However, (laughs) you know, there are a lot of different schools, um, that offer up, um, opportunities. So like I said, the New England prep schools have a lot to offer and, um, yeah, it, it would be worth investigating.
0: Cool. All right. Well, we always finish by asking this, um, statement on the, on the podcast and what, how would you finish this sentence? The best athletes I know do this.
1: That's a good one. Um, I, I can't, I can't answer it just, uh, <laughs> with one dynamic, it has to be multiple. Go so ahead.
0: I'm
1: going yeah. to say, um, they care about relationships uh so as a result they have a a strong support group around them um they're passionate about their craft you know for us it's it's basketball and then um last but not least i'd say that they don't mind working alone
0: Mm. yeah the we were talking about that last week actually with the high school coach talking about who are the kids that are in the gym. And actually I noticed that on Twitter, you tweet, who's the first kid in the gym every day, right? Or almost every day, which I love like
1: it matters.
0: It's it showing matters. who, who cares, who's going to show up first and who's going to be the one to shut the lights off. Right. No, yeah, you got to have passion for what you do. And I can tell you.
1: Yeah, we're, we're passionate about it. And, and, um, it's just fun to be a part of that type of culture. It's contagious too. It really is.
0: Right. So parents and athletes and coaches listening, you know, where can everybody find you on social media?
1: I appreciate you asking that. Um, so we're VT Academy Hoops on Instagram and Twitter. And I am Coach A Pop, it's pronounced Pope, but P-O-P-P on Twitter. And then I'm also, um, I have my own blog, which is com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to to chat with me. This was wonderful. And I know parents and athletes are going to get a ton out of this. So parents, if you enjoyed this and you know another sports parent who's trying to get better at supporting their team, please feel free to rate and share this podcast on iTunes. Our goal is to support parents in not only raising strong athletes, but extraordinary people. Let's do this.